It's me, Mark Stone, and this is the Backseat Driver Podcast. I'm here with Tim Nash, the man behind the Lombard Rally Festival series of events. Tim, welcome to the Backseat Driver Podcast. Thank you very much for having me on, Mark. How did all this idea come about? That's a damn good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, briefly to explain, uh, my family were involved in motorsport right from me literally as a toddler. Um, My elder brother uh, was winning rallies when I was three and four years old. Um, One of my first memories is of being told on a Sunday morning, go downstairs very quietly because there's rally drivers asleep in the sitting room. (laughs) And I'd come down and I'd find the late Henry Lydon asleep in a chair with his legs dangling over the side and various other people who were well-known in the 60s and 70s. um, They're fast asleep having done a night event the the, the previous day or previous evening. Um, So I I sort of grew up with it in my blood. Um, I rallied in the 70s and 80s. Uh, myself and 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 because you were heavily well, you still are because you still drive on heavily connected with Mazda. Yes, yes, I was. I'm very glad to say supported by Mazda Car Imports UK Limited, as they were called in those days. Uh, and it was uh, it was a great time to be involved in motorsport and and rallying, which in those days was a very very much bigger uh, sport in the UK than it is today. Sadly, um, so I that was that, and I kept involved, kept in. Fr- in in touch with friends that I'd known and uh, so on. And about 10 years ago now, I started organising dinners for um, old fogies like me. Uh, And that's being polite. Um, And we'd swap stories and we'd tell outrageous things about, you know, as somebody once said to us, the older you get, the faster you were. And uh, that's uh, undoubtedly true. Um, And I kept sort of hearing stories about what were called... um, legends events out in Europe, mainland Europe, that allowed people to drive cars that weren't allowed to be rallied competitively in the UK. Um, Often not timed, but just run like a rally, but untimed. And I kept sort of making inquiries and trying to figure out why it didn't happen in the UK. And eventually I thought, well, let's have a go. Let's try and put one on. And it took me over a year to to try and get things pulled together, which was back in the sort of twenty late late twenty sixteen, early twenty seventeen. Announced it at the end of twenty seventeen, um, saying that we would recreate part of the day of the nineteen seventy six RAC rally, which was based in Bath, um, and we would go to some of the places that were the what we called the spectator stages in those days. Um, uh, which was still available. Um, so we did that, um, got it all put together, got a, a route done, uh, which very much resembled the 1970s rally. Um, and uh, I went along to uh, the Bath Spa Hotel because I thought it would be nice to base the whole <laughs> thing back in Bath as it had been that year, and uh, booked a room for a dinner as part of it because I wanted it to be a mainly a social event, if I'm honest. Um, and away we went. And I thought, oh, you know, we'll get 20 or 30 cars come along to this, which will be probably mainly people I know, and that'll be a bit of fun, and, you know, that'll be that. And I rang two or three of my old friends saying, would you, if we can find you a car, will you come and drive? So, uh, sort of hero drivers and people that I <coughs> knew vaguely, and we were lucky enough to get 
Stig Blomqvist and we had Jimmy McRae, Di Llewellyn, uh, all coming along to the event, Robin Air Maunsell. Uh, so I thought, you know, that would be a good base. It would make people interested in it. Um, and I thought that, that, frankly, you know, as I say, 20 or 30 cars and we get extra people to come to the dinner. Three months later, I had to go back to the hotel and say, have you got a bigger room? <laughs> <laughs> because um, in no time at all, we had over 100 entries and we ended up, in fact, running, I think it was 123 or 124 uh, in October 2018 when it ran. And I just couldn't get over the interest in the thing. And the thing that I really couldn't understand and dis- didn't expect in any way was the spectator interest. Um, people who'd been rallying at, at the time I did, you know, they said, do you know, we went up to a junction on the road route and there were people waving us through, <coughs> just like it was in the old days. And there were literally people standing at the side of main roads waiting for the cars to come. Now... Yeah, I know a lot of that was the fact that we had Stig and we had Jimmy and people like that there. That, I'm sure, was a lot of the attraction. But it just showed the interest that there was in these cars. Um, We ran, as part of the road section, we ran the cars up the Cheddar Gorge, which anybody who lives in Somerset knows it's quite steep, quite narrow. We thought it would be a bit of fun because back in the... 70s and 80s and 60s as well it was very much used as a timed selective on road rallies it's about i don't know a mile and a half long and it was covered with people side each side of the road waving to the drivers and i thought i think we might have done something here (laughs) uh you know eight o'clock in the morning starting the event in the center of bath it was reckoned that there were three thousand people just stood at the side of the road watching the cars starting um so we kind of worked from there and it's all really become a it's it's just expanded from that um going back to the old days in the 70s 80s 90s of course it was the lombard rac rally that went all around the uk so i thought the thing to do was to try and bring the ambience of it the 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 story of what had gone on those years ago to different parts of the country to the sort of places that were used not in the forests, the the uh, the sort of places that were the stately homes, the race courses, um, the places that were used as spectator spots. Because I mean, these used to be like the Sunday stages, didn't they? Like the start, and it was where everybody used to go, so they could all, ev- thousands could stand and watch it. Not not in some dingy forest at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, I I mentioned the '76 RAC. The '76 Lombard RAC was the last one that had an ordinary first day um, straight out into the forests and. As a an entrant that year, I can tell you it was horrendous because there were so many people around uh, the Forest of Dean, where the event, the first stages were, that you know you were. It was actually at times quite frightening driving through the crowds of people in the forests, and rightly enough, particularly as there was an accident, sadly, it, where a car went into the the spectators uh, at Speech House. Um, the organisers realised that they couldn't do that again. It had to have some form of a first day wandering around um, uh, stately homes, which I've got to say, as an entrant, was pretty awful. Uh, You know, people used to say, you can't win the RAC on the first day, but you can damn well lose it. Um, And it was true enough, because a lot of these stages were... uh, 
I mean, that one particular one brings to mind Sutton Park in, in, in Birmingham. Um, now, Sutton Park is a huge uh, park, and it has an enormous amount of roads in it, but the rest of the year, nobody ever drove on them. So, you know, the one event of the year, it was so treacherous, yeah. particularly if it had been raining. I mean, it was like driving on sheet ice, um, you know, and, and with all of these people watching you. So, you know, you, you inevitably you thought, well, I can want to put on a little bit of a show, but you also didn't want to go off. Um, you know, well, I think the most famous one is Tony Pons and the Rover SD1. Well, yeah. I mean, Tony actually had a very, you know, a couple of times when he managed to do that. I mean, he parked his TR7 V8 underneath a, uh, a lion uh, uh, feeding point in, point in the uh, in, at Longleat. Um, he also managed to, uh, to to to, as you say, have an accident in an SD1. Um, you know, uh, Hanu Mikula went off in a in, in Knowlesley Safari Park a couple of years later. Uh, in his quattro you know it, they were very 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 slippery and they were not a lot of fun if I'm honest <laughs> to drive um, but you know it, we all understood the reasoning with the spectators well it's one of those things uh, without the spectators etc rallying and the drivers aren't really anywhere are they nobody's heard of them <laughs> well back in those days no because you, you're quite right I mean it, you know you you wanted to get some sponsorship. How could you ask for somebody to sponsor you on an event if there were no spectators? If you could go to somebody and say, oh, look at this. Um, somebody has done a survey and more people came out to watch the Lombard RAC rally last weekend than went to every football match in the whole country at any time through the year. Now, which do you want to sponsor you know and for those of us who remember him and knew him well roger clark and his cossack adverts meant gentleman's hairspray exactly (laughs) you know that was a huge thing for rallying in this country uh and i would hope that by running these events around the uk we can bring people in to see rally cars that they won't have seen you know who who has seen a uh, a mini or a, or a Hillman Imp or something like that on a rally stage um, in the last few years. Yes, you can see it if you still want to go to some obscure forest um, because rallying, sadly, doesn't bring the spectator numbers anymore. But you can come to an event like this and you can see a, a mi- some minis and you can see some Cortinas, um, you can see some Imps, and you can see cars that can't be rallied competitively anymore, like a, an Audi Quattro um, or a Lancia Stratos, uh, which do not appear on mainstream rallies anymore because most of them, frankly, are not able to be. You can't see, you know, a Group B Delta uh, S4. Um, not that we've ever managed to get one to an event yet, although we do have a promise for one for an event next year. Um, you know, nobody has seen these cars rally competitively in the UK for 20 or 30 years Um, and they're not going to but hopefully we can bring some of those cars out onto these non-competitive stages for people to see them uh, in some form rather than them sitting just in in uh, museums even if maybe they aren't the original cars but they look and perform exactly as the original car did. Well, I mean, like today, we've been fortunate in having one of Renault Altenon's genuine 1960s Austin Healey 3000 Works rally cars that 
you see them so rarely. Uh, and I mean, I was fortunate enough to do a lap of the stage in the co-driver's seat. They are just tremendous, but that's from the era when rally drivers were rally drivers. I mean, they drove for five solid days and got an hour off halfway. To have driven a car like that for that length of time must have been absolutely unbelievable. Yes, I mean, you know, we we, we, we talk about uh, that sort of rallying from the 1960s, which, of course, was just another world to all of us today. Um, you know, I, 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 as I said, my brother was a, a rally driver in the 60s, um, you know, and he, talk, he, he took part in events like um, the Spa-Sophia-Liège, which, as you say, was days on end with a matter of minutes only, um, you know, even the Monte Carlo rally in those days, you drove, let's say you start, you had various parts of, the, of Europe you could start at. You drove from, let's say, Glasgow, the whole length of the UK. You got onto a ferry at Dover. Your only time before you arrived in, in, in Monte Carlo to have a rest was on that ferry. The rest of the time you were driving, um, you know, and uh, uh, my, you know, my brother came very close to winning um, a Monte Carlo rally in a Triumph Herald. Um, now, you know, you laugh about that, and they, they had a very good result in a standard 10. Um, but, OK, that was the car of the period. But you imagine driving today in today's roads, let alone the roads then without, without uh, auto routes and so on, uh, that sort of distance without a break uh at speed as well because speed. they they were they were told they, they you have x amount of time to get there exactly <laughs> uh you know that the, the, there were events that were just horrendously long effectively road races um i'm glad to say that by the time i was rallying in the 70s they had died out because <laughs> because let's be honest they were utterly ridiculously dangerous um by the mid seventies, you couldn't do it anymore, and so the marathon rally was 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 produced, which you know I, again, my brother finished second and the first one from London to Sydney. I mean the idea of driving in a in a in a car today or today, let alone then, from London to you know through central Europe, Turkey, uh, Afghanistan, uh, down through India to Bombay without any stops then you got on a boat and then you drove the the full width of australia again no stops is ludicrous and four years later um sorry two years later uh they did the same thing again except this time they drove from london uh all the way through europe then they got on a boat which took them to south america and they drove the whole length of south america in rally cars again with no stops you know they they talked of 30 hour special stages <laughs> uh, you know i used to think that I, I it was hard work if i did a 30 mile one not 30 hours uh you know in 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 a in a in a in a austin 1800 or a triumph pi or or or, or a hillman hunter I mean, it is just unbelievable to think back to those events. But those we obviously can't recreate. <laughs> but we can recreate something in the fashion that we're trying to do by bringing these uh, uh, Lombard uh, festivals to different parts of the country, plus still running Lombard Rally Bath as a, as a, as a multi-venue event with road sections as well. But they can never be anything 
like the length or the and obviously nor can they be any way competitive and nor would we want them to be today because you can't do it it's not safe and for 2023 the uh, number of events are expanding a little bit aren't they yes we're taking them even further around the country we're starting in 2023 early in the year in uh, january in uh utoxeter racecourse where we will have the first of the of these uh we will then be moving around the country um uh, we will have an event in Surrey for the first time at Lingfield Park. Um, we will be hopefully back here at Duncombe Park during the de- during the uh, the year, uh, and uh, we have um, other old venues that were used uh, in in periods such as uh, the Albemarle Airfield in uh, at the edge of Newcastle upon Tyne. We shall be going there, um, and other ones. So in all, we will be having six of the one day events plus uh, Lombard Rally Bath. Tim Nash, thank you very much for joining me on the Backseat Driver podcast and thank you very much for recreating the days of proper rallying. Well, I'm trying. I won't say it's proper rallying, but it's something like it. Thank you very much for having me on, Mark. I'm here at Duncan Park for the Lombard Rally Festival and I am joined by Jay Meta and Yvonne Meta. Wife and son of, I think it's safe to say, Africans' most successful rally driver, Shektai Mecca. Jay and Yvonne, welcome. Welcome to the uh, Backseat Driver podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's nice, lovely to be here. Now, I conclude, I'll start with Yvonne. This has to bring back memories for you, because you, you did quite a lot with Shekta, didn't you? Yes, um, we did 17 years together. In, in the WRC and, and other international events, yeah. yeah. And the thing about the African rallies, he became... I mean, fortunately, he lived there. He became, in many ways, the master of them, didn't he? He did. He won the safari, first of all, in 1973 in a 240Z, and then in 78... So 79, 80, 81, 82, he won four on the trot. Yeah. So, and you did a lot of co-driving with him, didn't you? Oh, absolutely, yes. I was the cheap co-driver. <laughs> and also... He when, didn't have to pay you because you were the missus. That's, that's right. And also, when he when we broke down, we had something to do, at least. <laughs> um, I mean, the African rallies, you watch, you watch them on YouTube and things like that. I mean, they were serious events, weren't they? They really were. I mean, the, the, the Easter ones, they'd start Thursday afternoon uh, from Nairobi, and you'd get back Monday morning. Yeah, I mean, with you know, depending where you were in, in the in the running order, you might have had eight hours sleep, or you might have had half an hour. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, what was the service like? Because I mean, the stages were proper stages, weren't they? Yes. I mean, they they weren't stages in those. It was a, a stage from start to finish. Yeah. Um, all the sections, road sections, and everything were impossible times. So you had to go absolutely flat out from the start. But you had to do it with your head and not your foot. And that's where Shaker won. Because he was never in the fastest vehicle. But everybody from Audi to Lancia, everybody used to think, right, maximum power and we'll win. And that was never the case because the roads are so rough and you have to drive with your head and not your foot. And he was a very clever fellow. Very clever. Because the other thing I noticed when you watched the uh, the footage of it, um, all the locals came out. I mean, it was... It was a party for the lot of them. It, a lot of them, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was. It, 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 and to a certain extent, still is. It's a national institution 
of of an of an event because it's the, the people out in the villages and in the bush they don't have television or they didn't have i think each village now has one but they didn't have television they had little transistor radios yeah and even today um a girl at the airport the, the other day said to me i remember being hauled out of my bed and she was lived in a little african village um to watch the cars and drivers in the middle of the night and so many people have told me that and they loved it and they still do because it's the sport that goes to the people they can see it on their own doorstep without without paying a penny yeah they just walk outside and there it and is one of the world's right. biggest events but they're very knowledgeable as well that well they were um, they knew the drivers they love cars anyway um, but they all knew all the drivers and there was betting shops everywhere <sighs> Oh yes, I made a fortune. And then one of the headlines in the Daily Nation one one year was please meta don't win again <laughs> from the bookies. <laughs> now Jay, what's it like following in your farthest footsteps? Uh, well I've made a conceited effort not to. Uh the uh <laughs> purely a hobby for me. I think that um uh, rallying very much changed. The days of Group B and the Safari are uh, a bit of a time capsule. They were a glorious event, but they're never going to be recreated as it was then. Um, not that that's a necessarily a bad thing, but I certainly think it was a flash in time. Um, I think kind of growing up with it is one of these things where you're somewhat sort of desensitised to it in a way. You're constantly at rallies and Formula One and stuff. You go, ah, it's just a normal thing to do. You know, that's, uh, so in many ways, where's mum and dad? Well, they're doing the uh, safari rally. All right. You know, yeah, it's fine. It's, uh, and, and, you know, growing up, early memories of being sat in cars and uh, thrown around various places by uh, people and uh, just thinking, this is fine. <laughs> As my dad said, he said... Um, you know, any idiot can drive fast, but it takes a, someone with skill to drive fast safely. And I think that's an important thing to bear in mind, um, as I've proved today by throwing myself around into various trees. Uh, <laughs> um, and I think for me, rallying was always a, um, a sport uh, that I think we touched on earlier. It kind of came to the people. And it's quite nice to be able to do it here, you know, for example, in this lovely surroundings. Come and see people chat, park the car up, and people who weren't even necessarily in rallying, into rallying, but heard it was on or in the area, come and talk to you. And that's that's quite special. And yeah. I think that it's different sport in that aspect from football or anything else where you have to go to it, go to the stadium. And, uh, yeah, it's nice to have a bit of that spirit going. Now, you're saying for you rallying's a hobby. Where do you do your rallying? Um... That's a good point. Uh, mainly, <laughs> mainly here at the minute. We've, uh, we've been, uh, yeah, in my head. Uh, I've had uh, two kids in the last uh, few years, so that's been uh, somewhat of my uh, <laughs> main um, main effort so far. But the, um, I mean, the last event I actually did was the um, Bath Rally, which is, uh, of course, another sister event of this one. Um, since then, actually, this uh, mini I've come in today, it's pretty much been sat in a garage uh, whilst uh, life has carried on around it. Um, so was COVID there as well. Yes, yeah. yes, it was COVID and, and uh, family commitments. But, uh, you know, it's, it's done well. It's come out here and got thrashed around. So it's <laughs> woken up 0 to 60 time is quite good. Um, uh, although uh, I did park it up earlier. And the thing is with the engine bay, people come and talk to you and say, oh, it's lovely and want to talk about things. I just look at all the things I have to do, to it, you know. <laughs> Some kind of a mechanical masochist by having a mini and uh, my towing vehicle is a, a VW bus, one of the 70s buses, which uh, aren't renowned for reliability either. So, you know, it uh, gets me out of the house, I suppose. <laughs> Are you ever fortunate enough to rally any of your father's old cars or any cars 
like your father drove? Unfortunately not. I um, mainly uh, rally minis, and the reason being that uh, I live in London and parking's at a premium. <laughs> I have one parking space, and I can fit two minis in it, so there you go. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> all, all, all Shakers winning cars from Nissan anyway are in Japan. Um, that's the five of them. Um, and it never occurred to us in those days anyway to keep any of the cars. Not that we could, because they all came into Kenya on a, a carne, carne de passage, and they had to go out, in theory. Um, I think there were some sort of little shenanigans going on, but not... not uh, no, we haven't got any of them. Yeah. Um, no. Although I think, uh, I think the last 240Z I was in was Tony Falls. He bought it in America mm. and had it converted from left hand drive to right. Yeah. But it was a very nicely done one. Yes. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. If you got the chance, would you drive one? Absolutely. Can, 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 uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, you know, why not? <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm not going to turn a drive down no matter what vehicle you really throw at me. So, uh, with the 240Zs, they were a bit unwieldy, but the, uh, I think Dad liken them to sort of uh, sailing a boat. You had this sort of long bonnet in front of you that kind of just bobbed around doing its own, thi- <laughs> its own thing. In those long straits in, in Kenya and, and Tanzania and Uganda, you could watch the bonnet doing this, you, you, and he was fighting it. You never knew where, where it was going to go. Yeah. Um, a, bit like a, a bit like a bit of a wild horse, wasn't it? He sort of it kind of does what it wants. It's a bit of a meeting of the minds. He's another animal, actually. <laughs> well, he, um, he was sponsored by, what, Camel, so there was... <laughs> so, do you do much competition in England, or is this, shall we say, a bit unusual for you? No. Um... I did, was it Telford last year? Somewhere, Wrexham or Western Park? But that wasn't competitive. Um, I do it with a, a New Zealand guy, uh, a Kiwi, who was a circuit racer. Yeah. But we converted him to rallying. <laughs> and uh, he's very good, but he's been sick for the year, so we haven't done very much at all. We were going to do Eiffel, which I went to anyway, Rally Legends, Not, um, Knock Hill. Oh, yes, Knockhill. in Scotland. Yes. Well, uh, we didn't know it was You're in Scotland. You're getting into back into wild country up yes, there, you know. I, I didn't know it was in Scotland, and, he, and nor did he. So he rang me up and said, um, do you fancy going up to Knock, to, to uh, going to a circuit called Knockhill um, for the McRae stages? Now, of course, I know Jimmy and, and the whole family really well, and I should have known where it was, and both he and I thought it was... In Kent. <laughs> That's Brands Hatch. No, no, there's another one. There's Lydon. That's down Lydon there. Lydon Hill, is yeah. it? OK, that's what we thought yeah. it was. Wrong end of the country. In fact, yes. different country. And it was up in, up in Scotland. <laughs> but we, I had a nice time anyway, so that was lovely. You trust your navigator, don't you, on these things? Well, so you always trust your navigator yes, on oh, yes, these the things. Best navigator. Well, I didn't know Knock Hill was in Scotland. So we, we, oh, uh, why should I? I think we mainly do it. This is a sort of mother-son bonding experience. You uh, <laughs> Sit in a car with each other and swear, like <laughs> Emilio, and uh, with my little one, I've got a little uh, three-year-old girl, and she she's very much into it already. Indoctrinate them very early. That's the key to it all. She's and obsessed with cars, absolutely obsessed, isn't she? I mean, specifically this one. Funnily enough, I mean, this kind of came around by accident. But uh, Corgi made a miniature of this, uh, as as they do with some some special cars. And I had one, and I was at a school event, and I ran it over with the car, <laughs> so it effectively. <laughs> committed infanticide um i then uh, bought another <laughs> little models to kind of go along with it um and then my daughter uh, got a hand on it and that's her favorite toy everything she picks is this sort of 
light, light green. Lime green. Yeah. So you know, uh, it's uh, we're sort of celebrating Mum's birthday here, and I said, uh, well, I very much hope that uh, in many years to come, I can do the same thing with my kids. So certainly a family tradition, if anything. <laughs> so rallying wise, what comes next for you, Jay? Um, well, I think the first thing to do would be put the brakes in this car <laughs> as uh, I told you when we first came in the pedal goes straight to the floor doesn't really do anything but you know brakes just slow you down so they're not Enzo Ferrari said uh, racing drivers and rally drivers didn't need brakes no. what do you need brakes for? No, no I like to play pinball with the berms here that's much better <laughs> I know when Shaky used to say to me I remember in Greece one on the Acropolis rally he said I've got no brakes. I said, what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> <laughs> and, and when his intercom stopped working yeah. from him to me, yeah. I didn't repair it. <laughs> he needs to listen to me. I don't need to listen to him. <laughs> yeah. we, uh, in fact, at the start of this stage, I said, uh, Mum, I don't actually have any brakes here. And, uh, well, we decided that the handbrake was good enough. And if that fails, we can just open the doors and try and get the wind resistance up. So. <laughs> well, there's only two soft surfaces around here. Yeah, yeah. Learn to jump and roll. That's the main thing. <laughs> so, for Yvonne Meta, what comes next? Oh, well, uh, on Friday I go to the States. And then the two weeks later I go back to Kenya. On the rallying side, I haven't got anything planned, but something will, something will turn up. Somebody will make you an offer you can't refuse. Yes, and, and I never get paid, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, once a hooligan, always a hooligan. <laughs> so. Well, let me asking, how did you get into it? Now then, um, I'd left the Air Force and I, needed, I wanted a job overseas, so I got um, a contract in Aden. But I had to had to learn to drive because everybody, you know, there were no public transport. So a friend of mine said he would teach me to drive. So he did, pass the test. And then he said, there's a little club event in Hounslow or wherever it was. Uh, let's do that this weekend. So I said, OK. He said, but you drive, I'll navigate. I said, OK. So we, we did that and we won. <laughs> and he said... You'll never be any good because you're too fast. <laughs> <laughs> so then I got the job in Aden and off I went. And they, they used to have motor um, sprints on the salt pans. And then from there I got a job into Uganda, which of course was safari country. So, And I met Shaker there who was just starting. He was doing sprints. And his first love was ra- uh, circuit racing. We had yeah. two very good circuits. Um, but... Um, then he again got converted to rallying, so that's how that started. So we grew up with it together, really. Yeah. yeah. So, and of all the cars that you competed in, which was the favourite? Okay, I never know one car from another. Honestly, she has no idea. You say, "Do you remember doing the rally in this?" No. And but if you show a picture on Facebook, and I haven't a clue. I remember doing it. <laughs> um, a picture of the inside, then she knows what, what you know. What, well, that's the office, isn't it? As long as I've got a driver. Who's got a steering wheel, and I've got a wheel on four co- on each corner. Brakes are immaterial. It doesn't matter about them. And I've got my pace notes and my maps. I'm happy. Yes. So, yeah. But I have to say there were two outs. <laughs> oh, yeah. two. Out- That's why I don't wear a full-face helmet, because I can't put my lipstick on. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, there were two outstanding moments. One was the Audi drive in Argentina. Um, the team manager came to to me to me not not to shake um, at the end of the Acropolis and said, "Would you do us a favour and be the fourth car in the team in Ar- in Argentina next month?" 
well, I didn't have to think twice and I didn't have to go and ask Sheikha. I mean, it was just a yes. Mm. And it was a practice car, but it was fabulous. After a Datsun, you know, 240 RS, I mean... (laughs) Yeah. By the way, th- then the manufacturers don't get upset. All rally cars are noticeably uncomfortable inside. <laughs> yes, they are, but but some are more comfortable than others, I have to say. But it was that was a, an outstanding moment to drive that car at that speed. It was absolutely... And it was in Bariloche, which was little Switzerland, so it was on snow and ice. So that was interesting. Um, and then the other one was Pikes Peak in a Peugeot. Right. Jean Top was the team manager then. And um, he produced this basically Formula One car in a bit of plastic. It was a 500 horsepower, big horsepower then. 84, yeah, must have been about 84. Um, Ari was one of our teammates. And that was the most magical feeling to go up there. The Americans, of course, couldn't understand why a man would want to take his wife. But there we are. And he said, there's 126 bends. I need her there. <laughs> and that was a fabulous trip. Scary as hell, but lovely, lovely. Jay yes. and Yvonne Meta, thank you very much for joining me on the Backseat Podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. And you. And thank you very much. I know, I know you just said it's a hobby, but for a lot of true rally enthusiasts, Yvonne Meta, like your late great husband, rallying royalty, thanks very much again. You're very, very welcome. Thank you so much, Alex. Cheers. beaten on price never beaten on service whether it's cars bikes or commercials Hoddy tires are the best in the business and when it comes to tire expertise and advice to supplying the correct tires for your vehicle specific requirements nobody comes close to david lakin and the Hoddy tires team so give them a call on 01200 613 192 or visit the website at hoddytires.co.uk 